Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujan Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Match day 24 review is on the cards today. What a weekend of football we saw. We have a definitive leader now. After two weeks ago, we had a four-way tie. One team has very much staken a claim to being the best in the league so far. Uh, it was one of those match days where the top four went head-to-head. Uh, there was a relegation six-pointer. And there was a lot of drama. A lot happened. There were a lot of goals. Uh, and we are ready to get into it as per usual. Alongside me, uh, once again, to help me uh, figure out what happened on the this match day 24 of the season, Eva Lotterbola. Eva, pleasure to have you alongside me again. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, it's snowing in Bielefeld, and I thought we passed this, so that isn't that great. Um, how are you doing? Uh, tired from a nine-hour shift in an office, but um, excited to talk Spider Bundesliga because um, I did see a tweet. It was probably from Fums about the Friday night game that the uh, the three Spider Bundesliga team uh, games were on, including Schalke and Mainz, which uh, may happen. Definitely Schalke, but but I don't know about mine. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. Uh, I look forward to actually getting underway and discussing our opening game, which is going to be Greuther Fürth and Valfeld Borkum. Very exciting fixture. This was this was built up as you know Fürth sitting with the chance to put themselves in the top two. Uh, Borkum could extend the lead at the top. And they did so in the end in a very even contest. Uh, and it started when Anthony Lucia opened the scoring on seven minutes. But a rare error from Manuel Riemann, who may have been unsighted um, due to the shadow that, that happens at the uh, the Rondorf Stadion. And it was defender Anton Stach who got the his first Spider Bundesliga goal from way downtown. And it seemed... Relatively even, I th- felt that Furt had the better chances, and then a clumsy penalty given away uh, with Daniel uh, Danny Blum on the end of the challenge. Robert Jules makes it 12 for the season, and Borkham go top and stay top and extend the advantage. Eva, can the Ruhr Club dare to dream with 10 match days to go? And a big win. They've got another massive game on the weekend. If they win on the weekend, there has got to be a feeling that Borkham could be on their way back to the Bundesliga. Yeah, um, I mean, I know that situation um, from from last year, obviously, although I do hope for all of our sakes that um, they don't have to wait two months until the Bundesliga or the, or the football resumes to find out. Um I do think, especially if we um, talk about Hamburg Kiel later, that Bochum is the team at the moment 
that is not maybe playing the best football, not to offend Bochum fans or in general, but they pick up the points. And um, we've seen that in the last couple of years that you don't necessarily have to have um, the best team just from individual class, although someone like Robert Jewell definitely has is mm. has huge potential class. Um, but they they pick up points and they win their games and they win games like this game against Fürth, where, as you've mentioned, um, especially in the first half, I did think, um, yeah, that uh, Fürth was a bit better. Hogot had that huge chance. Um, and that in the second half, the penalty was the real shot on goal or shot on target, the first one in that second half. Um, but... Nevertheless, Bochum were the one having more shots on target in general, who did put a bit more yeah, effort in in ways of um, quality, not like possession or pass success. That was actually really low for Bochum, what we don't really know about them um, or from them. Um, but yeah, I, I did think that it was a deserved win in the end. Um, did think that they were a bit lucky in the end because there was um, this one sh- situation with Hagota, I think around the 66th minute where Bella Kotschap tries to block Hogota, then lets go of him and Hagota can take a shot quite freely in the penalty area. Um, and maybe that's the reason Bella Kotschap, well, he, he is a very good defender, but mistakes like that and we have seen that throughout the season is why he still plays for Bochum and hasn't been caught away from the Bundesliga club yet um, and also Kotschup, Bella Kotschup was involved in another scene where we once again have to talk about concussion protocol mm-hmm. um, because um, and also commentators who say well luckily he can play on I mean um, my team was involved in a quite shit show of uh, fouls on Sunday evening and yet again the the Bundesliga says or the DFL says they don't want to permit two additional subs if there have been fouls or some kind of injuries that are yeah, around the head area, which I do think is a good idea, and that's why the FIFA or the IFAB implemented it in the first place. And you should use that. I don't really get why it's not being used in the Bundesliga. Yeah, but um, that's another reason we should really, yeah, see to that because it's very dangerous. Absolutely. I mean, we. I feel more and more we're definitely seeing these kind of instances come to light. Um. You know, it happened in Japan during a midweek fixture in the in the in the their cup situation uh, where a player was clearly con- concussed for Uraro Red Diamonds, and he kept playing, and you could tell that he wasn't okay, um, and it it blows my mind that we we we're not over cautious on this, um, because. You know there are there's the immediate concussion which which can happen, but in a, there are instances where there is the concussion happens later on after the fact, and so the, the the player assumes he plays ninety minutes, and he's been in a head clash, and 
you know the commentator makes the remark as as you mentioned Eva oh he, at least he can continue but but is it in his best interest to continue you know we we need to stop treating athletes as if they are our form of entertainment but treat them like people you know if you're you know as much as certain players will say oh i you know they're, they're very prideful i want to keep playing i don't want to hurt the team at some stage, you know, these things will catch up with you. I know it happens a lot when watching Australian rules football. You know, concussion is a serious thing and they've got steps in place to ensure that if a player is concussed, they do the test and if they fail the test, they don't come back and play. And that's a 20-minute procedure. Now, in foot, how you'd implement that in the world game, as we've seen that they've got the concussion subs for a re, you know, in a lot of leagues, that's in place... If you're a manager, that should be the first thing. It's like, okay, let's make the sub. And maybe it's not in his best interest to play. It's just, for me, it's simple. It sounds really simple that, you know, we need to do a better job. We saw the incidents between, uh, in the Union game um, with Riasson and, and, and Luta. And, and frankly, neither of them should have continued to play. I know it's difficult when you've got... Um, you know, it's hard to bring in a keeper cold off the bench, but what's more important in that situation? Luter's, you know, health and well-being or, or getting a point. You know, football's just a game. We, we, we all love it, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just a game of football. Uh, back to this one quickly. Um, Furt on another day probably might have won this game. We, we lamented the few chances Goethe had, which, you know, on another day again, he would have probably finished them. But uh, yeah, Borkham making making a statement. They're two points clear of Holstein Kiel, who played on Monday night. They played Hamburg. This game ended 1-1. Uh, Lee Jae-sung opened the scoring from a set piece. Yannick Diem the, uh, bringing the delivery. Lee doing a fantastic job to lose Jan Jimura and heading into a relatively open goal. And then a brilliant bit of play on 23 minutes by Bakriyata to find Simon Terodde to make it 1-1. It's Terodde's first goal since match day 20. He now has 20 goals in 24 games. And then it would it would end all square, but um, either it would be fair to say that this is another game where Hamburg had the chances. They invested heavily in this game. And they only came away with one point, which should be bitterly disappointing. Yeah, I would fully agree with you here. I uh, I thought that especially, um, well, in the first half, it was a very good game of football to watch because um, both sides were invested in it, although Hamburg was a bit better. In the second half, you could kind of tense that um, he was a bit tired from the midweek game against in the Pokal against Essen, which wasn't easy to play. Um, they, of course, threw to the semi-finals and play uh, Dortmund. Um, that wasn't really doing the second half any good. Uh, Hamburg was better. Kiel didn't do much. But um, first and foremost, uh, there was a very good Janis Gelios in goal who uh, troubled the Hamburg strikers from time to time. Then there was, uh, I think there was still in the first half, the header by Wagnermann, uh, which hit the post. 
Yeah, um, the problem is Hamburg is now five game five five games in without a win, um, which if you look at the whole situation table wise is a very very bad timing. Um, I mean, Kiel stay on top of them as as we've mentioned. Bochum is picking up points, um, and there are already being jokes made about uh, if they're going to be the in fourth place uh, again although they looked so solid from the beginning of the season on and you are wondering a bit if it has to do with some kind of uh, the the word every Dortmund fan hates uh, mentality <laughs> um, although I don't know still for me it's the best Hamburg side I've seen the in the last couple of Zweite uh, Bundesliga seasons um, and it's it does make me wonder what is going on there at the moment because it's not that they play bad that they just don't use their chances as well as they did at the beginning of the season and um, yeah maybe it's due to the lack of really having a break at some stage I, I don't really know um, yeah, and they have to really I don't want to say wake up, but look out. I mean, I'm quite sure they're aware of that. But I do think they need something like a 3-4-0 win over a team to actually use the chances they have to go come back into yeah the, the way they played before this not winning strike. Yeah. Strike, sorry. Yeah, it's it's um out of the teams in the top four, um, Hamburg couldn't have hit a worse form arc uh, comparatively to the likes of Borkham, who've won four of their last five, Kiel, three of their last five. I mean, Furt have hit a wall in some regards, but I, I can see them picking it up again in the future. But normally if something happens three times uh, and the result doesn't change and you try and change the total infrastructure... There has got to be some sort of concern of, uh, like, are we going to get out? Because we know Hamburg, the expectation is, the, the three years they've been here is, well, win the, the first two years was win the league, get promoted, happy days, we're back in the Bundesliga, don't have to worry about this, this happening. But uh, you get the feeling the longer that they stay, um, you know, much like Hotel California, the, uh, um, the song by the Eagles... Um, yeah, they may never leave the Spider Bundesliga if things don't pick up again. Um, and we mentioned how important the game against Kiel was. But yeah, they, they only have Borchum, um to contend with on, on Friday night at the Ruhrstadion. Lose that game and you do wonder, you have to wonder if it's just going to be the playoffs for them because... You know, Kiel will, feel, will like their chances against Heidenheim. And, you know, do you, and Furt, you know, they don't play until Thursday. they got Regensburg. That's a game they, sh they should feel they will win because Regensburg have been in quarantine for the last couple of weeks, for the last week and a half. So, yeah, if you want to turn your form around, now is probably the time because it is starting to run out for them. Um, and, yeah. I guess the good thing for them is that they, they know they can create a ton of chances against good good opponents. They just gotta be able to convert them. So 
we will see. Let's move on to our last uh, Group 1 game. And, you know, there may not have been any goals in this one, Karlsruhe and St. Pauli, but it was touted to be quite a good game because St. Pauli have been in great form of late, of course, coming off the uh, the Derby Sieger against Hamburg. Karlsruhe have been solid in the mix. They are still in fifth place. Game ended nil-nil, which was a bit of shame. Uh, but this one, really, I think the, the best way to talk about it would be the goalkeepers, Marius Gersbeck and Adeon Stojanovic, both very good between the sticks. And really the difference between either team finding the back of the net. Yeah, as you've mentioned, I want to pick out the positive uh, at first. And the goalkeepers were really good. And also for St. Pauli, it means it's only their third game in which they didn't concede in the season. So that's maybe if you look at the last, I don't know, six to seven matches. Only last week against uh, Hamburg, they kind of did not concede before that. We've seen, um, yeah, a couple of matches in which St. Pauli was involved and there were at least like three to five goals being scored. Um, Not against them, but just from general score sheet. Um, Coming to the game, the first half wasn't particular fun to watch, I thought. Uh, The second half was way better from both sides. Um, Benatelli probably had the best chance for St. Pauli. Gersbeck, really, really good in goal. On the other side, it was um, Gola and um, maybe Hoffman. Um, and then uh, it was Zalazar again, so you could say two rather big chances for both sides. But uh, yeah, the goalkeepers were just uh, not having it. Um, when we talk about those both teams that are the teams that are best in form, if I'm correct uh, at the moment. Um, but on the other side, Karlsruhe hasn't scored a goal. Um, for in, in in the third consecutive game at home, so that's something they um, might have to work on in the future. But in general, I did think, especially in the in the second half, it was nil uh, nil of of a better sort, because yeah, both teams had their had their chances and did put a bit of the quality on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, we know we we're very much a, a goalkeepers union on this podcast um, with a lot of the people who've come on. and Yeah, I think it was a good thing because Gersbeck has been pretty unheralded. He's had a good season considering he spent he spent a lot of his career as a backup um, at Hertha. As, um, and even when he first went to Karlsruhe, he was the backup to, to Benjamin Opoff, who's now at Freiburg. And he's really established himself as, as one of the solid citizens between the sticks. So Janovic, of course, on loan from Middlesbrough. You know, St. Pauli were crying for a keeper with consistency. It was a bit unfortunate the way Himmelman ended up leaving. But, you know, Stojanovic has been pretty solid where they, they really have lacked a, a steady hand in goal. And, yeah, I think the result, it's probably hard to justify either team saying that they should have won. But overall, a point is good for either side. I mean, Karlsruhe is still in the hunt. Um, as they were last week. Only three points behind, but their goal difference is probably what's going to keep them out. St. Pauli P10, you know, they've won, was it, six of their last eight or nine. So they're having a great time. Their their resurgence has been magic. Absolutely magic. So, 
yeah, um, we'll keep an eye on this. But uh, yeah, St. Pauli fans looking good, looking good. Karlsruhe still in the hunt. You never, never know. Let's take our first break. And on the other side, we are going to head to Würzburg when they hosted Heidenheim. Heidenheim have been one of the form teams of late, and they made the trip to Würzburg hoping to continue their excellent form. Heading into the game, they'd won three of their last four, and on the weekend, they made it four of their last five with a 2-1 win at Würzburger Kickers. And it started in the second half early when Dennis Tomala headed into Beers Moore's excellent corner. And if you see the action replay, you see Moore excellently telling Tomala and Co. to go to the front post. It was a pinpoint delivery and then an excellent header from Tomala. And it got better for them uh, just 17 minutes later when an effort on goal was deflected um, by Christian Strodik. It was an own goal, making it 2-0. But David Kopash got his third of the campaign to make things a little bit interesting at the end for Würzburg, but it wasn't enough. What it means for Heidenheim is, well, they are very much in the hunt, much like Karlsruhe. They're only four points out of a relegation playoff spot or promotion playoff spot going forward. Eva, this was not uh, the prettiest games of football that we've seen this season, Um, but an important win for Heidenheim because... Recently, we've seen the the return of Tim Kleindienst, and he's been in spectacular form. But a good, gritty win against a team that is very difficult to play against at home. Yeah, as you've mentioned, I mean, not not every opponent from those top four to five managed, or even top seven managed to get points from Würzburg. Um, I mean, it's their first defeat at home after um, having a streak of four games not losing at home at all. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really impressed by both teams, I could say, in uh, in this game. Um, what did surprise me a bit, if uh, who scored didn't had I don't know any kind of mistake, that Wittsburg actually had more possession mm. th- throughout this game, which isn't really typical for a team like that, especially if you compare it to I don't know Braunschweig, Sandhausen, whatever. And um, actually, from yeah, from past success, they there weren't and corners and kind of that they weren't worse than Heidenheim. They had the same amounts of shots on target as well, but that actually probably <laughs> uh, speaks more for Würzburg than it does for Heidenheim because if you look at where the both of the teams are positioned where both teams are coming from, um, Heinheim should have done better. Um, yeah, in in general, the first half was just a lot of fouls. I think, um, yeah, it wasn't really throughout this game, you really, really call it a good um, yeah, match of football. After the 2-1, Würzburg failed to put any pressure on Heinheim. And one last thing, Würzburg, I don't know, played fan chants over the microphones in the stadium, and that's something I don't want to hear again. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know how the fan scene in Würzburg sees that, but it's basically 
showing them, see, we don't need you. <laughs> um, and using them, I don't know, um, can't really get behind that. If people think it's cool, fine. For me, it's just another sign of on like how far actually the football is bagging away from the fans. I mean, not even get me started on that whole Qatar matter and Champions League and whatever. But yeah, um, something I just really don't want to hear. Understandable. I think I think the only thing I can think of as to why they would do it without it kind of taking a dig at the fans would be more maybe from a television point of view just to give it some sort of atmosphere. I know in the Premier League they've got the fake um, or the FIFA-styled crowd and a guy just controls it via button. But, yeah, not a great look. I mean, especially when, you know, there are fans that are clearly itching to get back into a stadium uh, and, and, and watch their team play. It's a bit mistimed and misguided, and especially when your team is bottom, it doesn't help either. But yeah, it was very cagey, torrid, uh, robust in in the uh, the challenges applied out of most occasions. But yeah, Heidenheim just doing enough to get the three points in that game. Let's move on to Fortuna Dusseldorf and Nuremberg. It'd be fair to say that at the start of the season, these were two sides that were penciled to at least have a chance of maybe going up for promotion. Uh, obviously, Nuremberg aren't really close to that. Dusseldorf keeping themselves in it. They're in that mix with Heidenheim and Karlsruhe. Uh, they were 3-1 winners in this game on the Sunday. It was Andre Hoffman who opened the scoring on 48 minutes just after half time, uh, And Dennis Borkowski, the man on loan from RB Leipzig, uh, someone Klaus knows very, very well. Second goal in six appearances for him. Very nicely taken goal to make it one all. And then Marcel Sobotka, who I thought was absolutely brilliant in this game, scores a cracking goal uh, 13 minutes before the normal time, and then Oliver Zorg puts in his own net to make it 3-1. Big win for Fortuna, because they've been patchy uh, in their last five, and that shows that two wins, two draws, and a, sorry, two wins, two losses, and a draw. But they're still in it, amazingly, despite how... Um, how much of a roller coaster their season has been, um, they're still very much in the fight, and that performance on the weekend showed that they were very much up for the fight. Yeah, in general, I thought um, the game wasn't as clear as the score sheet might suggest. I did not think that Nurek was bad. Like, they had a number of chances, they just didn't use them very well. Um, I think even before that 3-1 three, uh, was scored, Nürnberg had a chance to actually level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Schleusner. Um, but yeah, for Nürnberg, I mean, it's probably a tale of where you're standing in the table. Um, Düsseldorf rather on, on top, Nürnberg rather on, bottom, uh, on the bottom. Um, and then you probably, yes, Fortuna have a bit more confidence when it comes to scoring goals. Um they were a bit lucky in the first half. Uh, if Kastenmeier wouldn't have saved that one one shot, um, I mean, Nürnberg had a number of chances in the first half. It, yeah, in the end, 
could say was just a good yeah portion of bad luck for Nuremberg sadly because they did not think they were that bad in this game yeah I actually argue it might have been one of their better performances of the season uh, they have had so many so few um, telling performances but yeah it's just their inability to to, to put away the, the few chances the few high quality chances they had really were detrimental to them it doesn't help their cause because currently sitting in 14th, 27 points. They are five points above the relegation playoff spot, but that team is Osnabrück, who have a game in hand against Regensburg. They're very much still in that fight to avoid the drop. They really could have used a win. Like They've improved marginally as the season has gone on, but yeah, it didn't help that results didn't go their way. Conversely, Dusseldorf... Very, very good. We saw Brandon Brillo get his first assist of the season. Um, and as a countryman of his, uh, he's, he's had a tough time adjusting to life under Uwe Rosler. But a good result for Fortuna. It does keep them in. And if a team like Furt or Hamburg, Kiel even, slip up, uh, they are very much one of the teams that could pick up the pieces as the season goes on. We mentioned uh, a game that really needed goals. Uh, two sides who wanted to get back to winning ways. Paderborn, Darmstadt. This game offered five goals and it was Darmstadt who... Very good in this game, getting the three points. Uh, Sudar Dursen had a brace. He's got 12 goals for the campaign. Dennis Subini scored from the spot. He has 11 Chris Furick with an excellent goal. He has nine. Of course, he's on loan from Borussia Dortmund. And you would suggest that there will be a number of Bundesliga clubs in that lower tier um, that will definitely take a good look at him. He's been very, very impressive uh, at Paderborn. Marvin Melem also getting on the score sheet. Eva, we've spoken so many times about Darmstadt playing well and not getting results. They were... <laughs> A little sus defensively on the uh, in this game, but they did they hurt Paderborn where it mattered, which was on the score sheet. They scored some really good goals in this game. Durson almost scored a magical bicycle kick, which hit the frame of the goal. But an important win for them when you consider that you know Nuremberg had lost. Uh, you know you can put pressure on Regensburg for not playing, Osnabrück not playing. A good win for them because it was something they've needed for a while. Yeah, and technically they scored five goals in this game. <laughs> and um, um, when I say that, the first goal that was taken away by them, I think it was the first probably equalizer after they scored the second one. Then um, that was taken away rightfully, in my opinion. The second one was turned down for um, offside and I, I might know I might not know some kind of rules but for me uh, Dusun is behind the ball <laughs> I, I don't know I mean I wanted to watch it again but the zone didn't even put in the highlights I don't know maybe they don't know the answer to that as well I didn't want to I don't know catch the, the I don't know break away some fire I don't know um a lot of a lot of I don't know here but I really don't know why it was taken away 
please enlighten me. I just can't really understand it. But yeah, for Paderborn, especially in the second half, I thought their defending looked very, very bad. Uh, Darmstadt had a lot of room to yeah, fulfill or finish their counter-attacks. Um, looked a bit worrying. Um, yeah, um, I thought that after the, especially after the equaliser, Paderborn didn't do anything to keep the win at home. Um yeah, but uh, in general, the second half was a good one to watch. Um, bit, yeah, unlucky for Paderborn, but also a deserved one for Darmstadt. Yeah, um, very important, especially with the um, the way the table is shaping up, as mentioned before. But for Paderborn, two consecutive defeats. Stefan Baumgart coming out saying that we are in a relegation fight now. Um, which I'm not convinced about, especially with their position in the table. They have nine points to the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're in any danger with the remaining fixtures left. But yeah, geez, they defended so poorly. It was um, it was an incredible collapse of how not to defend in a game of football. And they were lucky that Zingler was very good, as he has been for Paderborn for, for a number of years now. Um... But yeah, they just weren't really there. They had a lot of the ball, as it says in the statistics, but just, yeah, pretty awful. And they couldn't stop Darmstadt's counters, and they were very lucky that it wasn't more than three goals conceded. Let's take our final break, and on the other side, we're going to discuss the final two games of Match Day 24, starting in Braunschweig when they hosted Sandhausen. It was a massive relegation six-pointer on match day 24 when Eintracht Braunschweig hosted Sandhausen. 16th versus 17th on the table. A win would see either side out of the bottom three altogether. It was a tight affair. Both sides had limited chances. The game was calling for a hero. And they got one. And what a goal it was. One minute after... Normal time. Felix Cruz steps up and scores a glorious free kick. Turning back the clock to when he was at Union Berlin against Erzgeberger Auer at the opening game of the 18-19 season. It was that kind of quality and it gave Braunschweig a much needed win and it puts them out of the bottom three. Eva, as we know, this game, as particularly is the case with a lot of relegation type battles, it was not easy on the eye but when a hero was required in the game Felix Kroos stood up <laughs> yeah you could say uh, that the Braunschweig oldies got, um, <laughs> got all three points because um, the, their average on the pitch was 29 years um, but yeah um, I did think that the game consisted of a couple of fouls. I mean, we had 19 fouls in the first half, six yellow cards, three of them going to Sandhausen, for um, or at least uh, four S5 players uh, out next week due to yellow card suspensions against Dusseldorf 
doesn't look very good for them. Um, and of course, um, the fifth one being um, out due to a red card. Uh, yeah, I did think that Boundary maybe was a bit better, although Sandhausen got better after around 30 minutes. Um, there was the discussion, discussion, sorry, um, whether they should have been awarded a penalty. In my opinion, it is too less. Um, but there are referees that would tend to say it is a penalty. Um, in my opinion, it was good that they, yeah, that that they didn't overturn that decision. Um, in my opinion, what Braunschweig managed to do quite well is trying to block Sandhausen away to or block Behrens away because normally um, I think that uh, Sandhausen's attacks are really coming from that right side. But yeah, Braunschweig tried to deal that down a bit. So um, Behrens did not have the number of chances or the number of opportunities to score as he would have had normally. And yeah, Sandhausen did not have a single shot on target in the end, so you could say that worked out well. <laughs> um, so yeah, six-pointer for Braunschweig, very important win. And in the end, for me, it deserved one as well. Yeah, I mean, Behrens did have that chance in the first half where it looked like he'd rounded the keeper, but... Uh hit the post in the end and that was really the closest that Sandhausen got the entire game um so yeah it's a massive blow for them they 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 go into the bottom two now with with Würzburg and yeah big win for Braunschweig it gives them hope uh, and they are quite fortuitous that Osnabrück are in just an unbelievable spot perilous spiral they do have a tough game coming up against Karlsruhe um, so we will see if Braunschweig can continue uh, their recent run of unbeaten form they're now three games uh, two of those have been victories so can they carry on we shall see leaves our final game of match day 24 of course Jan Regensburg and Osnabrück will be played in April uh, a catch-up fixture of course because the Jan Regensburg team is currently uh, quarantining and we hope that everyone is staying safe during that time so we will talk about Erzgebirge Aue and Hanover uh, this was an anniversary game for Aue they're celebrating their 75th anniversary it is also their 500th Spider Bundesliga game however they didn't get off to a great start when Philip Ox scored a brilliant goal to give the visitors the lead but uh, Aue very much building in the game and then Pascal Testrot Getting into double figures, his 10th of the campaign, and our sharing the spoils with Hanover. Overall, Eva, I think it's fair to say it was a pretty even encounter. Neither team really differentiated themselves from each other, and I think I think neither side could be too upset with taking a point here. Yeah, although if you coming to yeah say what team would be more upset definitely Hanover because they probably just should have won the game from the outcomes especially if you see that Düsseldorf on the other side won Um, I thought they were not good in the second half so Hanover 
was not very good. Um, they had that one situation that was saved by Menel. Both goalkeepers had that one situation where they stood out. Essa in the first half against um, Florian Kruger, very much in the beginning of the game. Um, yeah, good one-on-one play from both sides. Um <sighs> In the end, it was good by test code. You could see he really wanted that goal. He had a couple of opportunities to do that before. Um, but yeah, in the end, this is what you probably call a typical one-on-one game. Um, one-on-one game, just not re- really pretty to watch, especially in the second half. And well, because it's our at home, Hannover can still be a bit happy with that point but not if you look at the table situation in general yeah a win on the weekend for Hanover would have kept them within touching distance of the three chasing uh, Dusseldorf, Heidenheim and Karlsruhe it's been a tough run for them they've you know they're winless in their last four three of those have been draws uh, you know they they were, they were very solid against Furt last week as we mentioned but our is always a tough proposition on their own home turf. They they, they they like it. It's kind of weird. They like it when the game is a bit cagey or there's not really a lot happening. It kind of suits the way they want to play. And as the game went on and, and the, the kind of the, the quality almost deteriorated, you know, our started to build. And when they started to build, they were creating chances. And eventually they scored... You know, a warranted goal, um, and there's really there really wasn't much that Hanover could could do about it. It's it's very difficult for them because if you look at the season as a whole, we are just over two thirds in. Uh, their season has probably been nothing short of disappointing. The expectation was they were going to be at least challenging, and they're not really there. Um, uh, so. Very disappointing for them. Can they pick it up next weekend? It'll be another important game for them. They host Würzburg. So we will see. That's it for another episode of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. And before I go, uh, I am going to just casually self-promote a podcast that I'm doing separate to this one. Uh, one I've wanted to do for quite some time. It's called One on One with Matthew Karagic. You can find it on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can see it on my Twitter feed as well. I'm trying to really plaster out there. It's another sporting podcast. We'll be talking to people within the sporting industry, from athletes, journalists, you know, anyone really who's who's currently in the industry to, to tell their story. It's I think there are there are many great people that work within sports, um, and you know I find intrigue in in the art of storytelling and and hearing them tell them their own story and how they got to where they were. And yeah, I will certainly keep tweeting about it. Uh, You can find me at Matthew Karagic, as you'll see in the description of this podcast. And uh, yeah, I hope you get the same enjoyment I do uh, recording it. I've got a couple of really good interviews coming up and they'll be released in due time. Episode 1 will be out on March 11, so I do hope that you, if you've got some spare time, have the chance to give it a listen. That's it for all the action for the Spider Bundesliga. 
for another week. We will be back next week to discuss all the action from match day 25 as the season continues to fire up. Big thank you to Eva, of course, for being alongside me to help dive into all the action. And until next time, goodbye. Thank you.